the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the Heart of the City. Well, this is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development here at KGNW, and I'm always excited to meet with you every week at this time. As we talk about the faithfulness of God, I'm always amazed as I hear the stories of pastors and ministry leaders and what they're doing in the community, and I hear their stories and I I recognize how God has worked in every season of their life to bring them to the point where they are. And this this, uh, program helps to uh, share those stories uh, with the broader Christian community. And with me today is uh, our two friends that I've had an opportunity to know now for a year or so, Chris and Debbie Clark with Children of the Nations. Welcome today to Heart of the City. Great to be here. We had a chance to go to uh, the Dominican Republic a while back. I had a chance to go with uh, some other pastors and um, uh, with a vision trip. And uh, and you you were along doing some other work there, and uh, and so I had a chance to just kind of see what Children of the Nations is doing in the Dominican Republic. But you're also in some other countries as well, correct? Yes, we're on, in Haiti, which is the same island of uh, the Dominican Republic, Hispanola, and then we're in Sierra Leone, Malawi, and Uganda. So give me just a, a brief overview. Who are the who is Children of the Nations, and why do you do what you do? Well, like you're talking about today, we sat, we were sitting in a, in a church in Bremerton, Washington, and uh, God uh, gave us the opportunity to respond to a call to go to Sierra Leone. Uh, Debbie is a teacher, and I was a speaker, and uh, we had the chance to go out there and visit the Liberian refugees living in Sierra Leone. And so we went and saw amazing needs, saw thousands of kids on the street, and decided that uh, God was calling us to do something about it. And so we left what we were doing and began this work uh, called Children of the Nations. And today it's grown from just Sierra Leone to all the countries that we're currently serving. But basically the nuts and the bolts of it is we identify the worst of the worst of kids within population bases that have had some kind of trauma. So war, famine, um, it could be extreme poverty, and try to find a remnant that we can start with and then bring them into full care, social, social, mental, physical, spiritual care, and then create opportunity for them to really be transformed and come back and, and change their communities and transform their communities. So our vision statement is raising children who transform nations. Hmm. Uh, of course, our mission statement is to um, uh, partner with nationals within countries to provide quality care that will create lasting change uh, in these nations. And having been able to travel to Dominican Republic and see that firsthand, I can attest to the fact that you are working with national ministries mm-hmm. to to help accomplish those things. Yes, it's very key that people in their local communities feel ownership for these issues. And so we've 
God has just led us to amazing people that we partner with um, that are part of Children of the Nations now, but they're doing the work. You know, mm-hmm. we, we get the opportunity to tell the story, but really they're the day in and day out uh, soldiers in the field, if you will, um, caring for kids and loving them and giving them the opportunity to see this change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Debbie and I were kind of laughing a little bit before the recording session today because we took a, a long trip uh, from uh, Baharona, where we were, up to the Haitian border, up mm. into the mountainous region, and it yes. was an interesting ride for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but uh, as part of the group got to kind of go across the border there in Haiti, and and uh, as we're thinking about Haiti, you know, it's been in the news. Uh, obviously, Hurricane Matthew with with what happened on October 4th. Hmm. How is Children of the Nations responding to the crisis that has uh, occurred at that time and is still going on in Haiti? Yeah, well, it really started back in 2010 for us when the earthquake came. Uh, Everybody remembers that, and that was just really uh, a terrible uh, sight to see the people that had been damaged from that. And then we began to work in a small community that had a high percentage of people's homes destroyed, families whose you know, the infrastructure for them to have jobs was broken. And so these were very highly destitute uh, children that we identified. And we began to work with 75 different families, uh, bringing in kindergarten-age kids, because if we can raise them up, we believe that the longer we're with them, the more impact we'll have. Really impacting their lives and changing their value system, um, that we'll see the kind of change we're talking about. So we've begun that, and then, of course, different things have come along. Uh, that have caused more destruction, the latest of which is the hurricane. Uh, Right before that, the Dominican Republic had made a Supreme Court law that anyone that wasn't naturalized uh, Dominican uh, basically was kicked out of the country. And so what you saw when you were there, Chuck, was uh, those people that had come back to Haiti but really don't have a place because they haven't been there in generations. Hmm. So they were camping out on the borders, kind of like refugees or displaced people. Um, and we've tried to help those communities with food and different things that we can do on the side, but we're not a relief agency. And so just trying to give them some of the crumbs, if you will, off of our table has been a part of it. Well, tell me, um, and you use the term relief agency, so what, uh, not to get too deep into the weeds, but what's the difference between what you do on a day-to-day basis versus a relief organization that goes in after a hurricane? What, what, what is the difference? We really work to see long-term change, and so when we try to identify a community, and it was great that you were there to actually see part of that, because part of our goal at that time was to identify where is the population of children, or where is the community that God's called us to that we can invest in, a place where there's going to be some um, stability in the sense of these aren't a transient, this isn't a transient area, these children are here um, for a while. And the whole goal of our vision statement, Raising Children Who Transform Nations, it's difficult to do that when you just are um, providing short-term relief and then leaving again. And so, as you mentioned earlier, really working alongside the nationals that are then investing in their children for the long haul over the course of their developmental years as they go from, um, you know, birth all the way through high school and university, that's where we really feel like we can see that change happening when you care for children educationally and spiritually and physically and emotionally um, over the long haul, that vision statement of transforming, raising them to transform their nations is really possible. Mm -hmm. Well, 
I had mentioned to you, I guess, when we were traveling, one of the things that you were doing, uh, separate from the, the vision trip that we were on, you were out researching new places to go in the Dominican Republic and new ministry opportunities, and we had a chance to travel along with you. And I, and I told you then, and I still feel it now, I was just so impressed with how you dug deep into the needs of the community and evaluated whether children of the nation should or should not go into that mm. community. Yeah. And for for a for a an American for me to go in there, everybody looked like they needed help. Yeah. That's you know, true. and so my heart, you know, as a as a compassionate person is, well we of course you gotta go help these people. But you knowing the situation are much more able to evaluate the long-term needs of a community mm. than someone from an out from outside like mm. myself coming in and saying, well, obviously there's a need here. Right. You you see it a lot better than than I could. Yeah, I was raised in Liberia, West Africa, and so I think because of that, it gave me a uniqueness of looking at situations differently than maybe I would have if I was raised here in the United States. But a part of that is thinking long-term, as Debbie has shared, what, what kinds of things um, – does this community or these children need long-term? And, and what is the greatest tipping point to create change that would make it so that these kids would never have to have their children sponsored again? So we don't want to just go in and sponsor kids and you know put in a school and now we're there for the next 30 years. No, it's really about transforming that group, that first group of kids, so that they come back and they're the teachers, which we're already seeing in Africa, by the way. In fact, in Haiti, one of our boys from Malawi has come over as a missionary, one of our first missionaries from Malawi, Malawi to serve to Haiti. in Haiti. Wow. And now we have three kids from Malawi that are serving as teachers in Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. So that cross-pollinization creates amazing opportunity uh, for these communities to see also what they could look forward to. So when they see a college graduate, you know, in the Dominican Republic, we had communities that they, in four generations, nobody had ever graduated from high school, let alone college. And now we have college graduates, medical doctors. Well, that changes the whole village. Everybody sees that and goes, oh, there's an opportunity. So I think when I look at a community, I can now see from the most destitute to what will it look like if um, change comes to this community? What kind of lasting change would those kids make? And really, we work in two areas, Village Partnership Program and, and the children's homes. That's the two primary areas that we would say we work in. Well, I want you to tell me a story about a, a girl named uh, Hawa, but before we move on to that story, I, I so you are yet still doing some relief efforts f- with Haiti and the yes. hurricane. So mm-hmm. there's still some funds being raised and some yes. work being done there. Just describe that briefly. Well, of course, right now, cholera, one of the, the uh, end results of uh, an earthquake or a storm like the Hurricane Matthew is – uh, the overflow of all the systems, uh, water systems, and so you end up mixing your water with uh, refuse and mm-hmm. creates a real nesting ground for cholera. So we're combating that by bringing in fresh water to the communities that we serve. We're also making sure that those um, families that had lost their home in the earthquake and now they're in temporary homes, um, you know, when the hurricane comes, the water just washes through their home like a washing machine. So everything gets damaged in the mud. So we're trying to take some of those uh, families and put them into a, you know, a home of some kind. So putting in concrete floors, uh, uh, strengthening the structure of their house with plywood or tin, 
So we have uh, Dominicans and Haitians on the ground doing that as well as teams from here in the United States. Um, and as time goes on, we will, again, respond to these home, these families, 75 families first. And then as we have the opportunity, we'll go beyond that to a greater extent. Yeah. So if someone wants to uh, uh, help Children of the Nations with this project, what do they do? Where do they go? Do they go to the website? Yeah. Right now on our website, cotni.org, mm-hmm. there's a banner there that you can click on. It kind of shares with you what the need is. You know, we're totally transparent, so everything that uh, you give will be recorded and receipted as well as we'll give you a report Mm -hmm. on what actually was done. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the good thing about uh, a local organization is you can look deep and see. But, uh, yeah, cotni.org. Debbie, tell me about Hawa. Hmm. As Chris mentioned, we have two main programs, our village partnership program and our children's home. Our children's home children are almost always double what they call double orphans, meaning both their parents have died, Mm -hmm. and Children of the Nations has identified those that probably really would die if no one else um, swooped in and helped to um, provide the holistic care for them. So Hawa's a beautiful young woman now, but was a young girl when she came into our children's home in Sierra Leone. And she's lived with us for a number of years. And uh, about a year and a half ago, during the Ebola outbreak, Hawa came down with some um, some health issues and um, couldn't do anything at that time because of the Ebola outbreak. We were trying to put all kinds of safety and security measures around our children in our homes at that time and in our village partnership programs. Our, um, I should mention quickly, our village partnership programs, we have thousands of children um, right now in Sierra Leone, just a, a little bit over 100 in our, in our children's homes. But um, she was in a, in a pretty desperate state there during Ebola, but no one could leave the country during that time. It was very difficult to get any kind of medical care. In fact, you didn't want to go to a hospital during the Ebola outbreak because if you did, you most likely would come down with Ebola. So she kept that quiet for a long time, and long story short, um, when that epidemic was wrapping up, um, we came to find out that she had breast cancer. Mm. And um, And how old was she at the time? Hawa was 20 at the time. Wow. And a pretty unusual yeah. for a for a young woman mm-hmm. in in Africa and um, at that time in the bush of Africa. And so she in Sierra Leone, it's very medical care is a huge challenge anyway. But there was not a hospital that could deal with her severe of a case. And so we um, began to pray, what can we do for Hawa? And the Lord connected us with a hospital in Kenya. And um, just a a great facility there, Mission Run Hospital. And we flew Hawa to Kenya, not knowing um, what we would do with the funding, but just knew that's what God had called us to do. In the midst of that, we shared her story with some of our partners, and people came alongside and helped out with her medical expenses. And over the course of the next few months, she went through radiation. She went, um, actually flew to Malawi for, to recuperate a little bit in the midst of that and received some treatment there and got to meet her brothers and sisters in our Malawi um, program there, Children mm-hmm. of the Nations Malawi. And then went back to Kenya, had surgery and some reconstruction and um 
what we were really excited yesterday, we've been doing some strategic planning, and in the midst of that, here in Seattle, Washington, Chris got a call from our former country director. Her name is Reverend Angie Miles, and we just love Angie because she is an incredible woman of faith and prayer. In her 70s now, she was our children's, um, she was our country director in Sierra Leone, so all of our home children know her especially well mm-hmm. as Mama Angie. And she called because Hawa yesterday returned back to Sierra Leone after being gone for months and the kids there not really knowing what was going to happen to Hawa. And Angie called just weeping and said, Mm. she's back, she's back, God has done a miracle, and she's back, she's healed, and we didn't know if we would see her again. We thought when she left that might be our goodbye because Mm. we didn't think she would live. But we are so grateful that Hawa has has come back to us, and there, as she went back to the children's home, there was great singing and celebration and embracing, and all the kids were just so excited about what God's done with her. And that whole episode really um, did so many things in a lot of lives, not just Hawa's. Incredibly grew her faith. She's a a different young woman because of it, as you can imagine. But all the children around her, both, um, I'm sure, both in Kenya, though we don't have a lot of those stories, but in Malawi, just the the way that our children and staff there surrounded her with prayer, as well as um, all of our family in um, COT and Sierra Leone as well. Yeah. You're you're working with with uh, lots of different moving parts in, in these countries, aren't you? And and there's a, a lot of needs uh, on a on a lot of different levels. How do you make the decisions of where to put your resources? What yeah. what what? And this is more kind of a a question to, of a philosophy, I guess, of, of how you how you operate your ministry, but. What do you do when you see all these needs from all of these? I mean, I'm sure there's lots of kids all over the place that you could help. What do you do to make those decisions? How do you do that? Well, I think the first thing that we realized in responding is that our name was not Jesus. You know, he is the one that responds, and we're supposed to walk in obedience to him. And I think that's the biggest challenge is listening to his voice and not all the other uh, voices that are easy to listen to in places of, of hell on earth. You know, mm-hmm. we call them, God has called us to work in places of hell on earth. And so I think, you know, listening to his voice and then uh, really bathing each issue in prayer uh, so that we know how to respond and how much to respond. So, uh, you know, for every request that you might get, if you look deeper, you know, you can see, okay, well, what can what can really be done if we dig down? So even in, you know, places like Haiti where we've estimated just to help rebuild one house is about $900. But we can work that. You know, we'll, we'll work that down as much as we can, even though that's the first estimate. Um, and, you know, God always multiplies whatever he's called you to do. And we believe that we're here because children prayed. And we know that um, as a result of that, he will provide for them. We're one avenue. We're not every avenue. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's been really rewarding is to watch, you know, in the midst, like our kids in Malawi, when they go to university now, we have 160 kids in university. That's just an amazing miracle. You know, from starting in Kitsap County, Washington, to 160 kids in university is really amazing. Where does all call, uh, that come from? <laughs> God <laughs> provides. But one of the illustrations is, you know, we give kids pocket money for three months. And for a girl, that's very difficult. because Pocket the, money is their, their spending oh, their money. Their spending money. Uh-huh. To buy the, necess- the necessary things that they have. 
Well, we give them $20 for three months. You know, what teenager is given an allowance of $20 for three months? To buy their soap and their lotion and mm-hmm. any, and any know, extra sugar or anything like that. And they stretch that, and God provides for them amazingly in the midst of that. So I think, you know, what we look at is, Lord, what are you calling us to do? How should we do that? And in, along the way, you make mistakes. Along the way, you learn from, from doing too much or too little. But God does that. Well, one of the things, uh, and I remember now as I ask you that question, because you actually, uh, I remember a situation when you, when you were on that uh, trip and we were kind of tagging along as a group watching you observe and, and researching the various villages, that you asked the, the, um, the director who was kind of showing you around and showing you the opportunities and you were digging at him. You were digging pretty deep at him at the time. I don't know if you remember that or not, but he, you know, he was kind of uh, vague in some areas about why he was bringing you to certain mm, villages, yeah. and mm. you you didn't let him go. I mean, mm. and finally you ask him the question: If Jesus came here, where's the first place he would go? Mm. And that had an incredible impact on me because that that required him to really prioritize mm. the, the the needs that that he was trying to show to you, yes. and uh, had a big impact on me because mm. that is the question: If Jesus walked into this country, where's the first place he'd go to right. meet a certain need? Mm. That sometimes is as a very difficult question to answer, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I tease Chris sometimes because we have to set capacity limits in the countries, and he's the one that's set those capacity limits. And then you go visit one of the programs, and you see all the children lined up on the outside of the fence that Mm -hmm. are still incredibly needy and desperate and could use um, help for sure. And it's very hard. It's not an easy, easy decision to make by any means. Well. You've got an event coming up that's going to help uh, raise some resources for children of the nations, and uh, it's at Peninsula Bible Church coming up uh, December the 4th. And uh, tell us about that, Brandon. He's coming to town. Yeah, we're so excited that he's coming that uh, I think uh, if you know his music, you know how compassionate he is. And uh, we're excited that people around the Northwest have the chance to, to hear him. Of course, he's from Portland but doesn't get up this way. And uh, we're excited that he's coming. So all of the proceeds that come from this will benefit Children of the Nations. Of course, Thrivent Financial has been great to support this and get behind it so that it, it is a, a benefit concert for the children that we serve. Mm-hmm. As well as KGNW. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And so tickets are on sale um, now for that. Uh, it's $15 general admission and $20 Golden Circle. And, uh, and so you can go to um, itickets.com. Uh, itickets.com or call 1-800-965-9324. And so that's going to be the Brandon Heath concert coming up on December 4th at Peninsula Bible Fellowship in Bremerton. And um, we've got about uh, a minute or so left, and I'd just love for you to um, just share your heart to our KGNW listeners about um, what what you'd like to share with them as far as the the needs of children of the nations, or where you're where where you'd like to see them assist you in your in the ministry of of COTN. Well, thank you, Chuck. It's been great to be here with you today, and I think you know we are an organization of praise, meaning that God goes before everything that we do, and we're following in His footsteps. And we would just love for you to be challenged by that, that God calls us in James one twenty seven to respond 
to the orphan and the, and the widow in their distress. And I believe that there's a place for everyone to do that. And we love to mobilize people to the cry of a child. Not just the cry, but then the joy and the laughter that comes after a need is met. And uh, we would really encourage you to partner with us, not to see this as something that you send money off to, but something that you actually get involved from the heart level. Expand your family uh, by one or two more. You can sponsor a child, but that's not the traditional thing. It, it, it really means that you're going to start a relationship with somebody overseas and watch them grow up. Uh, it's been very exciting to see the people of the Northwest get behind this. And also we say come and see, come and participate, be a part of a team that goes and participates on a real live basis to get to know the kids as family. And then the third way is to be involved with resources. You, Many of you have relationships with people all over the world that can bring opportunities to the table. And so I just challenge you, be involved, get involved. With me today has been Chris and Debbie Clark, founders of Children of the Nations out of uh, Silverdale, Washington. And uh, Chris and Debbie, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Chuck. Thank you, Chuck. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.